You guys pray with me. Dear Jesus, thank you so much um, that we can be here tonight. Lord, help us to know that you never let go um, and that you're always here for us when we come to pray. Um, Lord, we thank you so much uh, for this day and for everyone here. And I pray that this message would fall in our hearts the right way and that we would learn what you're trying to show us. In your name I pray. Amen. Hey, everyone. I'm uh, Pastor Mark. Uh, for those of you who, who don't know me, um, some of you I don't know. So um, I'm Pastor Mark. I'm one of the pastors here at Fellowship. And uh, it's been quite a while since I've had um, the opportunity to teach, um, be a part of TNT. So it's pretty cool that I can be here tonight and uh, share with you a little bit about um, the church. And so that's what I hope to do tonight, and I hope that it's something that you can learn from, that you'll take certain things. I'm not expecting that you're going to learn everything that I go over tonight, but if you can leave with just, if you can kind of come in here with like a thought that I'm going to try to take home one or two things that uh, Pastor Mark's going to talk about tonight, that would, be, that would be great. If you could just have like one or two things that you can learn while you're here tonight, that would be great. So um, we can move to the, to the next slide. Um, and, and so this is, the, this is the question that I'm going to be talking about. It's uh, why is the church important? And um, I, think, uh, I think Pastor Nick asked me to do this because I'm obviously a pastor of a church. And so if I can't answer the question as to why the church is important, that would be pretty bad. So uh, I think I'll be able to do that and hopefully, again, uh, teach you some things that maybe you didn't know uh, before about church or about the church in general. So the way, the way I thought we would start uh, tonight is, uh, if you could pull up the, the next slide, um, I have here some metaphors for the church. And these are all in scripture. And I have, I have uh, some words there that, a, a description of seven different metaphors and and so the way that the scripture talks uh, about, about the church from a metaphor standpoint is it uses some other description to describe what the church is. And so, for example, one of them is cornerstone of a building, household of God, body of Christ, pages in a book, temple of God, bride of Christ, family of God. And so what I thought you could do is two of these do not belong. In other words... Two of these are actual not descriptions in the Bible that are metaphors for the church. And so maybe some of these will be familiar to you. I'm not going to ask you to answer out loud. What I want you to do is kind of look at that list and just figure out on your own. Say, wait a minute, um, which are the two that I can come up with in my own mind? And then we'll go to the uh, next slide here in a little bit, and um, I'll go over it with you. So does everybody have a chance to read through those? And at least have a guess in your mind as to what you think um, it might be. So let me do this before I move on. Um, if you think that number one doesn't belong, just put your hand up real quick. All right, so a few. Number two, not many takers. Uh, number three, no takers. That's, good. That's a good sign. Pages in a book, number four, uh, lots of you. Uh, temple of God, 
uh, Bride of Christ, some, and Family of God. All right, so um, kind of mixed, but clearly number four. So here's the next slide. Uh, the metaphors that actually do not belong, um, surprisingly, I kind of put number one in there as a little bit of a, of a trick question. Did that throw, throw any of you that are, yeah, you were kind of like, we sing Cornerstone, so what's that about? Cornerstone, the, the reason I put it in there is because Cornerstone, the way that scripture talks about the Cornerstone, Jesus is the Cornerstone. And so this is more metaphors for the church, and so sometimes we kind of mix up our metaphors and not really sure where they fit. So when we talk about the cornerstone in the scripture, it's talking about Jesus being the cornerstone of a building, but the building is the church, and that's the description. So household of God is one of the descriptions in the Bible to describe the church, and that's in Ephesians 2. And um, I'm not going to have you refer to all of these uh, Bible passages, but you can at least be aware of them. Body of Christ is another. That's a pretty um, familiar one, right? You know that the church is described as the body of Christ. And let me just explain real quick what that means, because I think sometimes we can, we can mix this up too. The, the, what we have learned in Scripture, and I'm sure you've heard this already at TNT at some point, is that we know that Jesus died on a cross, and we know that he rose again three days later. And the Scriptures also teach that 40 days after Jesus rose, he ascended into heaven. The, the, so Jesus, this risen Christ, this person, ascended into heaven, and he right now, as the Scripture tells us, sits at the right hand of the Father, so the body of Christ to the world is the church. We, that's, so we are the, the body of Christ. We represent Christ to the world as Christians, and that's part of the reason why that's uh, described there. Temple of God, um, not sure if you knew this, but as the church, we're described as the temple of God. The Holy Spirit indwells us. Uh, the bride of Christ, you'll see that mainly in the book of Revelation, that the church is the bride of Christ. There's going to be this big uh, feast in heaven, and uh, the church is going to be presented to Jesus, finally holy and pure, and we're referred to, again, as the bride, and then the family of God. And so the church, we're described as sons, we're described as daughters of God, and in that way, we're part of his family. And so these are all metaphors and di di different uh, descriptions for, uh, for the church. So one of the things that I wanted to do first is explain biblically at least, and, and not, too, not taking too much time to do it, is what is the church? Uh, so I want to answer this question, and I'm going to answer this question by looking at Matthew chapter 16, verses 18 and 19. So you guys have your Bibles with you. You can turn there. Um, it'll be up here on the screen also, but I think it would be good if you could look at the Scripture, because this is a really important passage of Scripture. If any of you ever went to college to study the Bible, if you went to Bible college, or if you were going to ever study to be a missionary or a pastor, and you went to seminary where they would teach you theology, you would have to learn a lot about what this verse means and what it talks about. It's a, 
It's really important to who we are as the church. And so this is Jesus talking to Peter, his disciple. And prior to this verse, Jesus asked Peter a question. He said, you know, who do you say that I am, Peter? Who, who do you think that I am? Because a lot of people are talking about Jesus, and he wants to know what Peter thinks. And Peter answers that question, and he says, well, Jesus, you are the Christ. You can see that in the verses previous to verse 18, if you look at it in your Bibles. And he says, you are the Christ. And the Christ means you're the Messiah. And he says, you're the son of the living God. And so Peter's acknowledging that Jesus is God and that he is the Messiah. And, and then Jesus says something to Peter after Peter says that. He says, I tell you, you are Peter. And uh, Peter's name also means rock. And so it's on this rock, I will build my church. And so here we have a reference to Jesus building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And then he says, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. So picture the kingdom of heaven and, the, and there's a gate and, and there's keys that are unlocking the gates, if you will, to heaven. Jesus is saying, Peter, I'm going to give the church these keys that are going to unlock this kingdom to, to people. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And, and so Jesus makes this incredible statement um, to, to Peter. Now, that phrase, I will build my church, that word church is an English word, of course, but it's translated from a Greek word. And I'm going to put up here on the screen. You can go to the next one. That word is ecclesia. We've talked about that a lot in, at, at fellowship. That, and I don't, I don't expect you to remember that word necessarily, but I want you to understand this, that when it says church or ecclesia, it's referring to an assembly, um, a gathering of people. So if there's one thing you can learn tonight when you go home, if somebody says, hey, what'd you learn at youth group? You can say, well, I learned what actually the church is. The church is an assembly, a gathering of people. When Jesus said, I will build my church, he didn't say church in English the way we would say it. He, he used the, the language of his day, and, and that would have been ecclesia. And what he meant was this assembly, this gathering of people. I'm going to build this gathering of people. And so there's a lot of, lot of thoughts that even you have about the church. I'm sure that if you were asked at school, well, what church do you go to? Or what is the church? Or if you've had conversations with friends who go to church, you might have a lot of different descriptions or a lot of different meanings. What I'm hoping to do tonight is help you understand a little bit more just about what the church is. And I want to do that by helping you understand first some false statements about the church. Some things that are said about the church that aren't true that I think you might be familiar with. And then we can go through these one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. One, uh, one, we'll go one by one, but um, I'll go through them, and hopefully they'll clarify a little bit uh, what we mean there. So what I'd like somebody to do is somebody who's willing to read 1 Corinthians 10, 17. Could you turn there? And I want that verse to be read nice and loud and clear. Um, but that first false statement is there are many churches. There are many churches. 
And you might say, well, why is that a false statement, Pastor? Because there's plenty of churches all around. What, what do you mean that that's false, that there are many churches? Well, does anybody, do I have a reader for 1 Corinthians 10, 17? Jason, would you go ahead and read that? All right, so that one phrase, if you'll say it nice and loud again, we who are many are what? We who are many are one body. So that's kind of confusing, right? We who are many, what do you think of many? Do you think of one? No. no. More than one. Right, you think of more than one. We who are many are one body. So that, you kind of might say that doesn't make sense. Well, what, what the Scripture is teaching us is that there are many people, but there's one church. There's one body of Christ. So you might look over the world, right, and you might say, well, how does God see people? He sees people basically in two different categories. There's one category of people that belong to him, that, that have trusted in him as Lord and as Savior, they, and they are his and he belongs to them, they are the church, and they're one, the true church. And then there are those who haven't done that, and they aren't. And so the ones that are, even though they might be spread out, they're one body. So when I say that it's false to think that there are many churches, what I mean is don't think that there are many bodies of, of Christ from the standpoint that it's not actually one unified body. It's one body. And that's what 1 Corinthians 10, 17, and actually a lot of that chapter talks about. Um, let's go to the second statement. Uh, the church is a human creation. You might hear, even in school sometimes, you might hear one of your um, uh, teachers or even somebody, uh, maybe a relative or somebody say, well, you know, I don't go to church because... You know, church doesn't really have anything for me, and really, it's, it's just something that, you know, uh, people came up with to keep themselves busy or, you know, to help them think a certain way. But the reality is that the church is not a human creation. We just read that verse from Matthew 16. Jesus said he's going to build the church. So who's going to build the church? Jesus is going to build the church. So it's not a human creation. So it'd be false to think that the church is some humanly constructed being or organism. It's not. It's something that God has done. So false statements. There are many churches. No, there's one body. The church is a human creation. No, it's actually something that God has created. Jesus is the one who said he's going to build his church. All right. Third, the church is something I choose to belong to or not. In other words, I make that decision as something that I want to belong to. If I were to ask you a question, you don't have to answer this out loud. I don't expect you to. But if I said to you, hey, did any of you choose to become part of the human race? None of you could say, yes, I did. You didn't actually have a choice in that. However, by, by virtue of you being born, each of you, you are part of the human race. You didn't make that decision. You didn't decide one day I'm going to do that. You just are by virtue of your birth. Well, there's something in the scripture called new birth. 
or being born again. And that's something that, hap- that, that John chapter 3 talks about. And when you're born again, that means you believe in Jesus, you've trusted him as your Lord and Savior, and by virtue of being born again, you don't say, well, I'm going to be born again, I'm going to trust Jesus, but I'm not going to belong to the church. That, you don't have that choice. That choice isn't given to you. When you give your life to Christ, you belong to a new group of people, the church. You belong to Jesus in that way. And so when I say it's a false statement that the church is something I choose to belong to or not, that's what I mean. What I mean is when you give your life to Christ, you're part of the church. You belong to this group that Jesus is talking to. And so it's not something that you choose to do and belong to just as you didn't choose to be part of the human race. You just are by virtue of birth, by virtue of your new birth, you are now part of the church, this, this, this family of God. Okay, fourth, joining in community with a local church is optional. So there's also a thought among Christians that, well, all right, I'm part of the church. I've given my life to Christ. So maybe you believe in God, you go to church, um, and it's something that you, you, you believe in in terms of God himself. Maybe you read your Bible and you pray. But the actual belonging to a local church, like we are, Fellowship Church is a local church. We're a church that exists in a specific area, Dallas, Pennsylvania, Hildebrandt Road. That's where we are. We're not everywhere. We're there. We're in one place. And the people that come here are in that geographical location. But when you say that joining a community with a local church is optional, it's not really optional when it comes to the scriptures. The scriptures don't describe it that way. The scriptures describe it as something that we do to grow and to become more like Jesus. And so it's not really, it, it would be false to think that joining in a community of people like we have here tonight is an optional thing when it comes uh, to being a part of a, a church. It's not. It's something that we're called to do by Jesus, who is the one who's building the church, which is what we talked about earlier. So these are, these are four false statements um, about the church. And now what I want to do is I want to move from more of false statements. We're going to stay on this track, though, of thinking more what it's not. And I want to talk about misconceptions. So a lot of times, these misconceptions are more like how we think about church. And sometimes, so some of these, I may, some of these may actually be thoughts that you've had and, or maybe you've heard. Um, and so one of them is, well, the church thinks only Sundays are important. They're, the church is too concerned with what's happening on Sunday. They're not concerned enough what's happening, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and the rest of the week in the rest of the world among other people and that really is a misconception um, about the church. The church is very much involved in a lot of the things that happen in community. I know for our church, you come to our church on a Sunday, you're certainly going to see a lot of people here. But if you came even during the week, you would see a lot of things happening here that you may not expect to see happening, like our food pantry being used, or people coming in to our clothing, uh, our clothes closet to, to get uh, clothes that they need, or people coming to the church from the community because they're in need of, uh, they have financial needs and they have no one to go to. 
They have no family. They have no friends. And they actually, we don't even know them. And they come to our church and say, can you help us? And so these aren't things that just happen on Sundays. These happen at any time. Or people that call at night and say, I need somebody to pray with. Would you pray with me? And so to think that the church is only focused on Sundays is not really true. We're, we do think Sunday worship is important, but it's more than just that. We take it seriously, our worship, but it's a misconception to think that we're, as a church, are only focused on Sundays. There are other days in the week where ministry is happening, and that's something that it's not just unique to fellowship. There are plenty of churches across the United States and the world they are doing great things not only on Sunday. All right, so let's go to the second misconception. The church is for people who think they are better than everyone else. Has anybody ever heard that one? Yeah, you've heard that. Like the church thinks that they really are for the people. The people who go to that church or the people who go to church are the ones who think that they're better than everybody. And that's also really a misconception. And the reason it's a misconception is because the church really is filled with people who have given their lives to Jesus because they recognize they are what? Sinners. And when you recognize that you're a sinner, you actually don't think you're better than everyone else. You recognize actually that you're not better, that you needed to be saved. Now, that doesn't mean that every person in church is going to be uh, perfect and treat you the right way because they're human. So that's, you're not going to get that all the time. But it would be a mis conception to think that the church has a has a mindset that says this place is really only for those who think they're better than everyone that's just not not true Um, we we as a church really want people to know that if your life is broken if your life is not in uh, you come maybe from a a difficult dysfunctional family there's a bunch of problems there's this there's that this place is for you like we want people to know that this church exists to help people that's the whole point of why Jesus came so the church being for people who just think that they're better than everyone else is really a misconception Uh, it's not it's not something that's true the church really is for people who are broken and in need of Jesus in so many different ways all right third the church just wants my money. Ever hear that one? Church just wants my money. And you as teenagers are probably thinking, well, I don't have any money anyway. So, we're, you know, it, it's gonna, it's gonna, it might be a little bit different. But you've probably heard, heard that. And, and let me just say this real quick. I'm going to only spend a couple minutes on this one. What, what you need to understand about the church, because, yeah, there are offerings received at a church, right? And, and so that's where that kind of comes from. But the way that the Bible talks about money The Bible actually has a lot to say about money. Jesus spoke a lot about money. So the reason churches talk a lot about money is because Jesus did and because the Bible, the scripture, does. So we would actually not be a very good church if we ignored that. So we're actually trying to be faithful by talking about difficult things like the fact that everything we own belongs to God. And that part of our worship is what we give back to God. So the church, it's not like the church is saying, hey, I want your money. What the church is saying is, we want you to live a life that's glorifying to God. And one of the ways that you do that is in how you give and how you approach giving, which is why they talk 
about money. So it would be a misconception to think that the church just wants uh, money. No, there's a way that we approach stewardship and giving. Um, So that's third. Fourth, the church hates fill in the blank. So this is the one where, well, I don't go to church because, you know, the church hates, uh, they hate gay people, they hate uh, transgenders, they hate, uh, the, you know, the people who are, um, uh, who, who, who might be poor, uh, the people who have problems, you know, all these different categories of people. And the reality is that's, that's not true. The, uh, as people of, of God and people who are part of the church, we're called to love people. Now, there is one thing that Scripture is calling us to hate. What do you think it is? Not atheism. Good, good, uh, good guess. The devil? The devil would be definitely part of what we are to resist and, and despise. And what does the devil cause us to do? Sin. Right. And we're... so. So what we're, what we're called to, as Christians, actually hate is sinning against God because we don't want to bring offense to God. We don't want to hurt and offend our God. But it's a misconception to think that the church has all this built-up hate towards people. Now, again, that doesn't mean that every church will do this perfectly. They won't. I can tell you right now, there is no perfect church. Why is that? Why do you think that is? Because churches are filled with what? Not perfect people. That's exactly right. So you are going to see examples where you're not going to see perfection. You should expect that. All right. Um, all right, let's go, to, uh, let's go to the next one. The church is too political or not political enough. So politics and church. This is another aspect that could be uh, a misconception um, about the church. What I have found uh, as a pastor of a church and having done this now for over 15 years is that you typically believe that the church is being uh, too political when they're talking about a political subject that you're in disagreement with. And if there's a, a, if there's a topic that you are in agreement with and they're not talking about it, then you think they're not being po- they're not being political enough. So it's, it, it seems to really depend on what your positions are. I can tell you that for the most part, churches are really trying to navigate political issues in the best way that they can, but in a way that brings honor to God. But it would, be, it would really be a misconception to think that the church just ignores uh, the things that are happening in the world, because they don't. They get involved um, in these things, and, and they do so for the purpose of uh, making sure that the world knows that to follow Christ means that you're willing to get involved in difficult things. You know, one of the things that one of the things that I hear a lot is, and maybe this is something that you've heard too, is people will talk about um, the fact that there's you know so many poor people, there's so many. Uh, there's so much evil in the world. People are in such need of help, and maybe the church isn't doing enough. But I want to encourage you to do some research. Maybe you all have classes, and maybe as you get in one of your classes, maybe one of your teachers will give you an opportunity to pick a subject and to just talk about it, like research it on your own. But I would encourage you to research, go back even into American history, and look at how things started 
that are even existing today, uh, like help for the poor. Um, and you'll find that those things were started and even continue by Christians. Um, and you can see so many of the organizations that exist today, like the Salvation Army, for example, was started by Christians who, with a desire to help people. Um, you've heard of the YMCA. The, the YMCA started in, right after the Industrial Revolution, they started co cropping up in cities where there were so many poor people, they wanted to make sure that they had something to help take care of them. YMCA stands for Young Men's Christian Association, started by Christians. If you look at the history of hospitals across the United States, the first hospitals were Christian hospitals. That's why there's so many hospitals named after saints. You'll see that, or you'll see Christian, or a cross, or something in the name. It shows that for, for really a long time, Christians have been involved in helping people deal with difficult situations. So that's enough about um, misconceptions. Let me just give you three really quick reasons why you, as a student and a teenager, can uh, love the church and appreciate the church. So if we go to uh, the next slide, first reason is community. One of the things that the church provides for you is a place to belong, um, a people to belong to. So it's a place to belong, and it's a people to belong to. And that's something that I think you can hold on to as, as you, as, even as you get older. There's always going to be this uh, need that you have to have people that you belong to and that also help belong to you. And that's really what a church is. It's, it's a place where we have community with each other, and that's really important. Um, and I hope that that's something that you find here, even at TNT. But even as you get older, and no matter where you might go, um, if you go to college someday, you might find uh, a local community, a local church that you can become a part of where you feel this sense of community, a place to belong to. Second, move to the next one, care. It's a place of care. People who care for you, and then you have care for them. And, and so this idea of care where it's not just a group of people I belong to, but it's a group of people that care about you and you care about them. It's one of the blessings that I have of being a part of this church. I'm, I'm one of the pastors at Fellowship, but what I'm thankful for is that there are people here who care about me and my family and I care about them and that's genuine. And that's something that should be a part of every church and is where Jesus is present and his word is being followed. So care. And third, purpose. One of the things that the church really helps provide is purpose. And, and what I mean by that is you know what you're here to do. There isn't a sense of why do I exist? What am I really doing here? You know, why, why am I taking up this space on earth? Well, the church really provides perspective on, on all of that. You have a purpose for your existence, to serve Christ, to serve others, and to unite together under the word of God, under the teaching uh, of scripture, and to follow uh, that teaching. There's a lot of groups that exist, right? There's a lot of different groups. You think about sports teams, community organizations, right? I mean, it's one of the things that you see a lot, and I can relate a lot to sports, and I can see when teams win, right, and you watch like a celebration of a team winning a championship, 
like you probably just did with the, with the Rams this past Sunday. They're, you know, you have grown men hugging each other, right, and crying, and you're thinking, what is that? Well, it's, they, they have this, this purpose that they've united together, and they've accomplished it, and there's, they're just, they're, they're so ecstatic over it. And one of the things that God gives us as the church is this incredible sense of purpose, and, and the reality is, is that the church, we have a greater uh, sense of purpose and direction than any other group or organization that exists in the world. We really are, according to the scriptures, the most powerful community of people on the planet. And it's because we're, our, our power comes from the Holy Spirit and from God himself. And so purpose is a, is a big part of, what one, that can, of, of one aspect of what you should find in being a, a part of a church. So what we see is we see community, we see care, and we see purpose. And I hope those are things that you can find yourself as you uh, move forward in your life and even as you consider your own um, participation in a church. So one of the things that I wanted to do here at the end is just give you a chance to answer or ask any questions that you might have um, about the church or anything that I uh, talked about. We have about five minutes uh, before we need to, to break. So um, if you have a question about the church or anything that I talked about, even if it's not specific to what I talked about, just general, I wanna, I'll do the best I can to, to answer it. Um, I'm sure, pretty sure that would be that would be an example of one. Nathaniel, what I didn't hear what he said. That's a great question. Why do we go to church on Sundays? Does anybody have an idea as to why we go on Sunday as opposed to Monday or Tuesday or when? It's the seventh day of the day of rest. It is the, it is the day of rest, but the reason why Christians now worship on Sunday is because that's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. It was the day that he rose again, and the disciples after that started to gather on the day, they literally referred to it, will gather on the day that Jesus rose again, and it became this this day of, of worship. So good question, because prior to that, um, Jews especially would have been worshiping in the synagogue on Saturday, but Christians separated from that and worshiped on Sunday. Yes? Well, that's the day that we celebrate Christmas. So that would be, the, and we celebrate Christ's birth on uh, December 25th. Why, why do we celebrate? Um, there's, that's a kind of long answer uh, to that. Um, there's, uh, there, are, there is some speculation as to exactly the day that, um, that, he, was, that he was born. We don't know exactly, but the way that we got to December 25th is really, really goes back to uh, the annunciation of the angel to Mary and when we believe that happened. And then, of course, we know that she was pregnant and we know how long that takes. And when you go, when you back that, back that up to when that annunciation happened and go forward, you end up 
basically on December 25th, which is how it became uh, a, the day that we that we uh, that we celebrate it. Um, so it's as good of a day as as any. I didn't think we'd talk about Christmas, but um, okay. Um, any other questions specifically about the church? It'd be great. Nick? Good question. So if you have trusted in Jesus Christ, you are part of the church. And you are as much a part of the church as a pastor would be a part of the church. I just have a different role. I have a certain function. But you have a different function. So, um, but yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a great question. And I hope, that, I hope that that's something that you all um, understand and appreciate, that you are now a part uh, of the church and should, should take, that, um, take that seriously. So, um, anybody else? Oh, wait. Yes. Can, is that, did you say, can you have one without the other? They would, absolutely. Um, if you really, community is almost getting a new, kind of a new definition. You hear that a lot now, that word, community. But community, as it would be understood biblically, would absolutely require care. Um, so I think to understand the way the church works is to understand that you are not only a part of a group, that would be maybe how we would understand community. But within that group, there is uh, care for one another. Um, and the other aspect to community that I think is important is that within the word community, you can almost see the word common, and that means that there's something common about that group. And what's common for, for Christians is obviously belief in Christ. So, all right, so I promised I'd be done by um, five of, and it's, Five of, so um, should I close in prayer? All right, could I, could I pray for you guys before, uh, before you guys uh, head off to group? Uh, Lord, Lord uh, God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the fact that um, the church is your idea. And um, I pray, Lord, for each and every one of these uh, students and teens that you would um, help them to understand just how, um, how wonderful it is to be a part of, of your uh, body, your, your church. And I pray that even as they go to group, whatever questions they might have would come up and they'd be able to talk to their leaders about it. Um, I pray, Lord, they would see the fact that they themselves um, are, uh, if, if they are uh, believers in Christ, are actually a part of Christ's church and what that means, how you want to use them um, to do things that, uh, uh, that are honoring to you and pleasing to you. So I thank you for this time that I've had together with them, and I just pray you'd bless it and that you would use these truths to, um, to just uh, remain in their minds and in their hearts, Lord. Um, and um, we'll trust that you will do that and um, that they'll grow as a result of it. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.